know you a little bit. Look around, see who's here. Somebody told me a couple of weeks ago where they sit in the room, and I told them, you're right on the blur line. Uh, I, 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 right where you sit is about where it gets blurry uh, for me. It's VBS week, and the evidence is clear. Summer's here, first week of June every year. We get ready to host a lot of kids on our property, and so many of you have worked hard already, and you've got a big week ahead in serving. I'm told that at least 750 kids are registered for Bible school already. We always have some that walk up. There's also more than 100 middle schoolers that are registered as well. A big week ahead. All of that comes with it. Um, lots of help needed. There are hundreds already that are going to be helping. We need 15 more. 15 more. And uh, if you could help us uh, tonight, uh, we need to know this morning. And when you would uh, leave today, you could just walk toward the children's uh, area. That's to my right. You could go to the next steps table right in the middle out here and tell them, uh, you're going to be able to help tonight. We'll hug you, try not to kiss you, and um, we'll be excited to see you. And so um, don't think somebody else will do it. Uh, just uh, we need about 15 more to help us be well covered tonight uh, with what's going to happen. The Lord tells us that uh, when the fields are white unto harvest that we're to pray for laborers let's bow right now and let's pray father we believe that many will trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this week many in this room have a testimony of their lives being changed forever through something called VBS father I pray uh, today all of us together in the name of Jesus for your hand to be on this place this week we ask you for your power to work here for your protection to be on this property for your presence to be noticed and obvious we ask you to provide every need Lord we have planned we've prepared people have decorated uh, there are uh, people that are used to Bible school, there are many that are serving. It'll be the first time and the first way they've connected with our church and all those things that happen through this week of Bible school, Lord. We submit it to you and ask you to do something that uh, is eternally uh, impactful, lasting, huge for your kingdom and your name. You know the needs that are still out there that we don't even know ourselves. And so we ask you to provide for those that are unknown. And we ask you, Lord, for laborers. We ask you that you would fill these gaps and these spots where there are needs. And would you uh, just let us look around this evening and say, look what the Lord has done. And through the rest of the week as well. We commit this time, Lord, again to you of our worship, the study of your word, 
exalting of your name. Please speak to our hearts. Help us to be ready to hear. You be honored, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friday of Memorial Day weekend, I spent six hours with a longtime friend. I wanted to say old friend, uh, but it's, y'all know, I will just say longtime friend. We've known each other for 40 years, almost 40 years. We were fraternity brothers. Uh, we were in each other's weddings. I pray for him on Fridays. He prays for me on Wednesdays. Those of you that know fraternity language, he was my big brother. It was interesting to me to hear him introduce me on that Friday to someone else in their 50s as his little brother. I just thought that seemed so funny. Um, the time we had together on that Friday was fun. It was refreshing. And honestly, it was faith-building. Even in light of him being a scratch golfer, and my golf just making you scratch your head. Uh, we had a great time. It'll be one of the highlights already of a young summer. Today we do something similar. We visit a longtime friend. I believe it will be fun, refreshing, and faith building. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm 95. We come here to what we call the Songs of Summer. If you're new to our church, I want to invite you to come on in. To start this journey with us. To sit with us. As we learn the language of our God. Psalms, according to John Calvin, gives to us the anatomy of the soul. I think he said that because he knew that every emotion, every mood, every thought of our soul is covered in the 150 Psalms. The reformer Martin Luther said that Psalms serve, Psalms serve as a mini Bible. When you read through the Psalms, you see the history of God's work. You see the prophecy of his future work. You see praise and thanksgiving for his current work. Gordon Winham, who wrote the book, The Psalter Reclaimed, said that Psalms teaches us the fundamentals of our faith. This summer we will cover at least six Psalms. I know, Lord willing, we're here and he doesn't return. We start today with Psalm 95 and we'll go at least through Psalm 100. Those six Psalms in many ways could be described as a sermon series on worship. Specifically on corporate worship. And so today I want to speak to you on the subject of what we do in worship and why. What we do in worship and why. What we do in worship is a response to the greatness of the God we worship. I hope I say that every week over the next six weeks. What we do in 
worship is a response to the greatness of the God that we worship. How we worship is an indicator of how we view God. How we worship is an indicator of what we think about God. So Psalm 95. Tim read a portion of it just a moment ago. I want to read all 11 verses now. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. What we do in worship. What we do in worship is not limited to Psalm 95. There's certainly more that we do in worship than is spoken of in Psalm 95. We've done some of those things already this morning. The Bible tells us that one of the things that we do in worship that Psalm 95 does not mention is to clap. We've clapped this morning. Not for Tim, not for Rebecca, at least I hope not. What we did this morning in our clapping was worship of the Lord. It was appreciation for who he is, for what our songs mean and to whom our songs are focused. There are times in scripture that speak of worship as lamenting. And this Psalm 95 does not mention lamenting. Uh, the Bible speaks of worship by being still and quiet before the Lord. Honestly, Psalm 95 doesn't mention much about being quiet before the Lord. What we do in worship is not limited to Psalm 95, but what we do in worship should certainly be no less than Psalm 95. And what we have in Psalm 95 is a descriptor for us, instruction for us, a guide for us for what we do in worship so what do we do let me give you some phrases that just start with the word we because we are looking at Psalm 95 today and it is a, an invitation to corporate worship it is a psalm that says let us let us 
let us, let us, let us. I'm not repeating myself. I'm reading what's exactly in Psalm 95. Five times the instruction is given, let us. So what we do in worship, number one, is this. We gather. We gather. What you're doing right now in this room for this 9.30 service, what we will do in just a moment for the 11 o'clock service, why do we do that? We do that because the Bible instructs us and guides us and shows us that that's the kind of worship that God desires. That's the kind of worship that God has designed and described. We gather. Psalm 95 is a corporate invitation. Christianity is a gathering faith. Christianity certainly we know is a going faith. We've talked a lot about that around here, haven't we? We have a going challenge. We talk about the Great Commission. Go, go, go to the nations. Go to the world. Go to your neighbors. Go, go, go. But Psalm 95 shows us that Christianity is not just a going faith. Christianity starts as a gathering faith. Our going has meaning because our gathering has worth. What we're doing today is not checking a box. We're not holding a ritual. We are responding to an invitation to gather in the presence of God. What we do in worship is we gather. Number two, we sing. We sing. Those maybe somebody in this room today, it happens really more than you might think. Someone who's in a service like this, a gathering like this, and it's their very first time to ever be in a Christian gathering. Oftentimes, especially in the fall, uh, people will bring a friend to me out here in the commons and they'll say, we'd like for you to meet our friend. They've just moved to our area to be at the University of Georgia and that's their very first time to be in a Christian gathering. Some of you may be new to our property or new in this room you may be new to church and think wonder why do they why do they sing all the time why is there music and maybe you've been in a lot of settings where there were just lectures there was just talking you you see a church worship gathering is more than a TED talk it's, it's more than a lecture series. What we do in worship when we gather is we sing. He says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. There's much to say about singing this summer, even next, uh, next week. Psalm 96 begins again with, oh, sing to the Lord. We sing. Psalms, the very word psalms that this book is titled is a word that originally meant praises and over time and through history psalms became to be under, came to be understood as words sung with instrumental accompaniment this is heaven's 
hymn book. This is the prayers of heaven, the language of heaven, the words of heaven given to us and with the instruction to sing. Why do, you, why do we sing? Why is singing so much a part of our worship? It seems that singing is what connects our mind and our mouth and our heart. And when we sing, the thoughts of our mind, the words of our mouth, and what we believe in our heart is expressed in melody. Christianity is a singing faith. We gather, we sing. Number three, we make joyful noise. Now, there's no time that probably we notice more joyful noise than when we uh, do not provide child care here. On a Sunday when there's some worship service, we laugh every year during Christmas Eve services on the ones that do not have children's programming. And it's funny to see we're creatures of habit and when we come into this room on Christmas Eve for a worship gathering, uh, this side of the room is always so noisy. It's not because I hear better out of my right ear. The reason is, is for week after week after week, people who have children in those facilities right over there park on that side of the building. And so when they can't come, and even though you come and you don't have child care, we still sit all right here with your kids. And it is a joyful noise. Listen, when we look here in God's word two times, he says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And then again, the second part of verse 2, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. There will be times of quietness. God's word shows that. Even Psalms itself uses the musical term selah. And the musical term selah means rest, be quiet, pause, stop, think about what was just said. There is quietness in worship, but don't be mistaken. God's design and desire and description of worship that honors him also includes joyful, hear the word, noise. Joyful noise. I heard it this morning before we ever sang the first song. Just standing backstage here, walking into the hall this morning. I could hear the room of people talking fellowshipping together you hear it out here in the commons listen don't be bothered by that noise in the commons celebrate that as people gathered here to worship almighty God making a joyful noise as they fellowship as we fellowship with one another Christianity is a noisy faith and I'm on good ground by saying that because of what Revelation says about heaven and what it says in Revelation chapter 19 verse 6 I want to read it it's a little glimpse into heaven Revelation 19 6 it says then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns let us re rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints 
Some of you have had the privilege of traveling to stand beside Niagara Falls, and you cannot stand beside Niagara Falls having read Revelation chapter 19 and not remember and think of heaven. Lord, is this what it's like? This roar of the mighty waters, rushing waters. We gather, we sing, we make joyful noise. We also see in Psalm 95 that we express thanksgiving. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Part of what we do when we gather in song and the noise that we make is to express thanksgiving, to acknowledge with our words and our thoughts that what we have has come from a good father, that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from a father who does not change, who does not shift like shadows. Part of us worshiping here is to express thanksgiving we gather we sing we make joyful noise we express thanksgiving and then next we praise we praise thanksgiving is recognizing what God has done for us praise is recognizing who God is praise is taking his attributes and giving them back to him when we read in his word and his character is revealed, when we experience him in our life and his attributes are revealed, we take those things like God being faithful and good and holy and mighty and majestic and powerful. We take those things and we don't hold on to them as much as we, we receive them, believe them, and then we return them to him. And in praise we say, God, you are mighty, you are holy, you are worthy, you are majestic, you are powerful, you are faithful, you are love, you are good. Make a joyful noise. Come on. Listen, that's for him. It's for him. We gather, we sing, we make joyful noise. I hope. I hope to pastor long enough here where I don't have to coach you to make a joyful noise. Listen, respond to the God for who he is. We gather, we sing, we make joyful noise, we express thanksgiving, we praise. And then we see that we humble ourselves. He says in verse 6, O come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There are three words that are used there to describe us humbling ourselves before God. They're the words worship, bow down, and kneel. Those three words describe a humble spirit as we come into the room of worship. There is something here about the way we approach God. This is the reverence that balances out the joyful noise. And God, in the power of his spirit, will work in our hearts and lives and, and, and show us that in the middle of us singing, in the middle of us praising, in the middle of us thanking, in the middle of us gathering, that we come before him with humility. The word worship here, let us worship, is a Hebrew word that means prostrate. To prostrate ourselves. It means to lower ourselves. To lower ourselves. We're not doing God a favor when we come into his presence. He's doing us a favor to allow us 
into his presence. We humble ourselves, we lower ourselves, and then he says, bow down, bow down. Can I put you on notice that here when we sing, when we gather, when we respond, when we worship, that it's very appropriate and biblical for you to prostrate yourself in this room in worship. It's very biblical. It's very in line with Scripture for you to kneel down in this room, in a song, in a prayer, in worship. It's very biblical. It's desired by God for you at times in worship to bow down before Him in worship. We humble ourselves in worship. Psalm 95 teaches us that we gather in worship, we sing, we make joyful noise, we express thanksgiving, we praise Him, we humble ourselves. That picture there of worshiping and bowing and kneeling is what the old timers called getting low before God. Maybe some of you have seen the movie, a Robert Duvall movie called Get Low. And I always pause when I mention a movie and I think about somebody going to watch it because I think I might have dozed off in that one scene and uh, so I apologize in advance that few movies have I watched the whole thing so anyway a story of a man who planned his own funeral based on a true story of a man in Tennessee planned his own funeral invited the whole community and world and planned to attend his own funeral just showed up to see if anybody would come advertised his funeral but before he came to that time of funeral he well Psalm 95 says humble ourselves get low before God worship him bow down kneel what else do we do we hear in corporate worship we hear he says in verse 7, after the last part of this verse, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts at Meribah as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. Hearing in God's word is, is not just sound waves coming into our ear. When the word hear is used, Old Testament, New Testament, it carries with it more than just he, getting sound waves. Hearing in God's word, has with it both listening and obeying. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. How do you harden your heart? By hearing his voice. The way you harden your heart when you hear his voice is to disobey what he says to do. And today, when we look at these verses, even the instruction of him saying, let us sing, let us make a joyful noise, let us bow, kneel, let us worship, let us hear we have decisions to make in our heart on whether or not we will hear his word. On whether we will listen and obey or whether we will just listen and our hearts be hardened. Every time we disobey God, it's the pounding of a tender soul of our heart that hardens it. What we do in worship is we hear when we preach the word, when we sing songs that give scripture. They're there for us to hear and be obedient to, to respond to. And next we remember 
He says, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test. The writer of the psalm is saying, remember your fathers. Remember what they did. God spoke and they disobeyed. He used two words. It's from a story that's told in Exodus and also in Numbers. Meribah is a Hebrew word that means disputing. Massah is a Hebrew word that means testing. And there was a scene the children of Israel coming out of Egypt where they disputed God and they tested God. They, they murmured and complained against him. And he says, I want you to remember. Part of us coming together in worship is that we remember. We're to remember what God has done. Notice this phrase. It's a really piercing phrase. Verse 9, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, they put me to the test. Here's what he's saying. They had seen me operate. God's word is saying they, they, they saw my miracles. They saw me come through. They saw my faithfulness. They saw how I delivered them. Yet they still tested me. What he's saying is, is that they refused to believe me. They did not trust me. And he said, remember what I've done. And part of us in our worship of gathering week after week after week is you will say over and over again, I've heard this before. And you know what God wants to do? He wants you to be in a position where you're saying, I've heard this before. He wants you to be, he wants you to remember. And that's why I say often, I'm not the CEO here, I'm the CRO. I'm the chief reminding officer of this church. To again and again, to remind us from God's word of what he's done and what he's doing and who he is. And then there's this last picture. It seems to be that when we sing and make noise, we, we bow, we kneel, we hear, we remember, we rest. We come to a place of trust, a place of peace, a place of fulfillment. It must be what happens in our heart when we gather like this and we walk away on a Sunday and we say, wow, my week just changed, my day just changed, my life just changed because we experience in a very practicable, practical, tangible way resting in Him. Now, I said to you that we would talk about what we do in worship and why. Why do we sing? Think about it. Why do we sing? Why do we bow down? Why do we kneel? Why do we make joyful noise? Why do we thank? Why do we praise? Why do we hear? Why do we remember? The reason for the what we do is because of who he is. It's because of who he is. We worship the way we worship because of who he is. Notice, first of all, that he is our audience. Today, he is our audience. God is our audience. Oh, come, let us sing to who? Let us sing to who? The Lord. We're coming to sing to the Lord. He's our audience. When we, when we come to a worship service, we have to coach ourselves. We have to guide our minds and our hearts and our flesh 
to remind ourselves that when we come to worship, that he's our audience. We're not coming first and foremost of what we can get out of it. The measure of a worship service is not us saying whether we got something out of it. We, we come to give something in it. We come to give him praise. We come to give him thanksgiving. We come to give him our joyful noise. We come to give him our ear for him to speak. We need to repent of a consumer mentality of worship. If I go to Chick-fil-A or I, I go to Barbaritos, I go to a restaurant, I'm a consumer. I want the food to taste good. I want it to be ready. I want it to be hot. I want it to be fresh. I, I, I want it to be good. I, I want to be treated friendly. I, I, I go into that environment and I'm about to give you my money. I'm expecting to get something. When I come into worship, I'm not a consumer. I'm coming into worship as someone who has come to an audience to say to God, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I want you, Lord Jesus, to hear from me. I want to give to you. I want to worship you. I want to love you. I want to sing to you. You're my audience. When we come to worship, we're not shopping we're not kicking the tires. We're coming to worship because the world has kicked on us all week long. And now we've come to worship Him. He is our audience. Number two, He is the rock of our salvation. This means that He is our protector. He is our anchor. Have you ever bumped up against something pretty hard and said to someone in your pain, that's not going to budge? Listen, when we anchor our lives to the Lord and the world bumps up against us, we need to have the kind of faith tied to the rock of our salvation where the world would say, he's not going to budge. He's steady. He's stable. He's solid. Why? Because he is anchored in to the rock of our salvation. Listen, your salvation is not on you. Our salvation is in Him. He is our rock. Number three, He is present. We worship the way we do because of who He is. He is our audience. He's the rock of our salvation. And number three, He is present. God is in this place. How do we know? Because His Word tells us that wherever two or three or more are gathered in His name, He is there. He's here. And when we sing in this room and we bow down and we kneel and we prostrate ourselves and we hear and obey and remember and thank and praise, it takes absolutely no time for all of that to get to Him. Why? Because He's here. He's here. He's present. We've all gone away from a Sunday morning and whispered or said with a smile across the table at lunch, hey, did you see who was at church this morning? Did you know this morning? Yeah, I saw him. He was here. God help us 
for our lunch conversations to be less about who physically was here at church first and to be able to walk out of this place saying, Hallelujah, Jesus was there this morning. God was here this morning. The Holy Spirit was here this morning. He's present. He is our audience. He's the rock of our salvation. He is present. Who else? He is great. He's the maker, creator. This word shows us, we see his greatness in his creation and it shows the boundaries or at least attempts to. The writer of the psalm says, in his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his. He's just reaching and digging, trying to describe this great king. Then he says the sea is his and the hands that form the dry land his. Why the depths? Why the heights? Why the sea? Why the dry land? Because he made it all. It's his. That's who we worship. And he's the good shepherd. Verse 7, he is our God. And you could just as well say, God, our shepherd. Why? Because we're seen to be the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And we see that we have a God, our shepherd, who cares for us, who provides for us, who protects us, who guides us. That's why we worship the way we do. And last, I would say, because he is faithful both to his blessings and his judgments. He is faithful to both his blessings and his judgments. Many times when we sing songs of his faithfulness, we're thinking about how God has come through for us. But these verses teach us that the same God who is faithful by coming through for us is also the same God that will be faithful to go through his with his word of judgment. He said, therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And they didn't. Only, only Joshua and Caleb, as God had promised. Therefore, and I close with this, I want to ask our band to take their places. Tim and Rebecca, J.H. to come back here in front of us. And we're going to take the opportunity to close out this morning to do what we've talked about today. To sing, to praise, to thank. What, what do we do in light of this? Let me just read these off and let you build around these over the summer. Therefore, because of what we do and because of who he is, we need to be intentional in our worship. Be intentional in your worship. Be prepared for worship. Be prepared for worship. Be engaged in worship. Being engaged in worship means, you, listen, I'll just say the most practical way. It means you're going to have to shut off your notifications on your phone in worship. And some of you are doctors and other professions where you need to be on call, and that's certainly understood, and, and I'm not trying to put down some kind of legalistic thing I'm just I'm just saying to you that one of the things that we've got to do in worship is to be engaged to be focused here we basically have an hour to gather like this in each week be intentional be prepared be engaged be enthusiastic listen if we can't be enthusiastic over the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin so that we can be forgiven and live eternity in heaven what is there worth being enthusiastic over 
Listen, be enthusiastic. Be present. Be present. That means be here. Be here. Be consistent. The life you live in this room, let it be the life you live out there. People are watching. And be wholehearted. Give him your all. He gave his only son. True worship leads to real rest. Hebrews 3 says, Today, if you hear his word, do not harden your hearts. What we need most is not physical rest. What we need most is spiritual rest. And it's found in the person named Jesus Christ. And he's the one we worship. And I invite you today, if you've never found the rest that God offers in his son Jesus, to call out to him and for, ask him for forgiveness and believe him and trust him for forgiveness of sin and then begin to worship with singing and thanksgiving and praise and find the eternal rest that he offers. God is not wanting us to do better. God is wanting to bring us together in worship so that we'll love Jesus more. We'll love him more. We'll worship him more. Let's stand together. Guys, let's worship. Let's, let's, let's do this in worship right now.